well. And this morning, I will, by God's grace. Let me pray for us before we start. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity you've given us today to remember you, to worship you, to express our love for you. We love you because you first loved us. And how marvelous that is. So, Father, now bless us as we hear from you, as we hear from your word. Open our hearts and minds to receive from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three times during Jesus' time of ministry on this earth, he was asked, which commandment is the most important? And his answer was not what they may have expected. He did not respond by naming one of the Ten Commandments or one of the 600-plus commandments found in the Mosaic Law. Instead, He responded each time by quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. These words, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Today, I want us to think about what it means to love God in this way. How do we learn to do this? And the simple answer is, we must be taught to do so. We are taught by God's word, given to his covenant people. And we are taught by the example set by God's own son, Jesus. The son of God took on human flesh and lived out a perfect, sinless life of love and obedience to the Father. And he instructs us to do the same, to follow his example, and to teach others to do the same. As God's covenant people, we have been given a mandate to love God and to teach our children and others to love God as well. So if you're able, I'd like you to stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. This is God's word. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, By keeping all his statutes and commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently 
to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. May God bless the reading of his word to us. You may be seated. Here in this passage, God gives his people a mandate, a mandate to love God and to teach others to love God. In Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking to God's covenant people just before they are to enter the promised land. Remember that 40 years prior to this, God had delivered them from bondage in Egypt. He had delivered them from slavery. He had supplied all of their needs for 40 years while in the wilderness. Even their shoes did not wear out. That's pretty amazing. I wish you would do that for my wife. Or for myself. He had come to dwell among them. God had come to dwell among them in the tabernacle. And now he was getting ready to take them across the Jordan River into the promised land. Moses had just reminded them of the commandments, statutes, and rules that the Lord had commanded him to teach them. He wanted them to prosper in the land to which they were going. And that could only happen if they would live in obedience to the Lord. In verse 3, we saw that Moses says to them, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. They were probably looking forward to that after 40 years of manna and quail. This verse sets up what we call the Shema passage. Shema is the first word of verse 4, the first word of this passage in Hebrew, which we translate as hear. This passage was taught to every Israelite. And they would recite it every morning and every evening, even up to this very day. Let me read these two verses to us once again. Shema, or hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. God clearly declares that He is Lord, Yahweh. There is only one Lord who is creator, sustainer, and sovereign ruler, Lord over all creation. The Apostle Paul restates this truth in his letter to the Corinthians, writing about the fact that the people were polytheistic, the people in which Paul and the others 
were going out to tell them about our God. They believed in many gods. And Paul writes these words, 1 Corinthians 8, verses 5 and 6. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many, quote, gods and many, quote, lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist." Paul reinforces the truth that there is but one true God. But he also shows us that God has revealed himself to us in three persons. The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Note that. That the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. There's a parallel there between the Father and the and the Son. Three persons in the Godhead, in the Trinity, but one God in essence, one God in being. There is only one Lord. Amen? And God goes on to give us a mandate to love Him. Back to our text. After declaring that he is the one true Lord, God then declares that we who are his people are to love him above all else. We're to love him with all of our being, with everything that is within us. This then, this desire to love God becomes the motivation for our obedience to God. We are motivated to obey God out of love for Him, not out of fear or obligation or some kind of reward that we will receive. Our motivation for obedience is love. We are to live our lives to please and glorify our Lord out of love for Him. And remember, our love for Him is a result of His love for us. Amen? John tells us in 1 John 4.19, we love Him because He first loved us. When did He do this? When did He first love us? Well, the answer to that is in eternity past. Paul describes this in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, Paul writes these words. In love, he chose us. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Let me read it to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons, as children through Jesus Christ. We have a heavenly father because he has loved us and he has adopted us 
to be his children. Some of you don't know this about me, but um, my mother and father divorced when I was just two years old, and so I did not know my father. I didn't meet my father until I was 26. I had a stepfather who raised me from the time I was four, and he chose not to adopt me. So I was the only Wadley in a family of Flores. I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. And he did not adopt me. Nor did he love me as his own son. Because I was not. But my heavenly father loves me as his own son. And has chosen to love me. And to adopt me into his family. He loved me so much. That he sent his only begotten son. Jesus Christ. To pay the penalty for my sins. Making my adoption possible. Listen to what John writes about this. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. You read these words. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, we could not love God because we were in love with ourselves, first and foremost. And guess what? That was from birth. We could not love God. We were not capable of it. And even if we could have, there was a problem separating us from our holy heavenly father. And that's called sin. Sin indwelled us and had to be dealt with. And so in love, in love, God gave his only begotten son, his beloved son. And Jesus came and laid down his life for those he loved. And his love and his sacrifice for us should now compel us to love him in return. And to demonstrate our love through our obedience. That's right. We demonstrate our love for the Father through our obedience. Jesus demonstrated his love for the Father through his obedience. And Jesus, in his teaching equated love with obedience over and over again. Listen to this. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. Then a little while later, that same evening, the last evening he would spend with his disciples before his death on the cross, he said this in John 15, 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Was Jesus loved by the Father? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will live in my love. I don't know about you, but I want to live in his love. I want to experience that. And he tells us to do that, you need to keep my commandments. Now, not perfectly, obviously, we are not Jesus. Amen? He kept the commandments perfectly on our behalf. And we are credited with that perfect righteousness. Nevertheless, if we love him, we want to keep his commandments. Amen? I do not do it perfectly. You know that. You do not do it perfectly. But that is our desire. That's what drives us. That's what motivates us to love him. So we have a mandate to love God. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. And that includes keeping his commandments as best as we are able in the power of his Holy Spirit who indwells us. This is how we demonstrate our love for our Lord through our obedience. And part of that obedience is fulfilling our mandate to teach our children and others to love God. That's the second part of our mandate. Moses tells us that we are to take the word of God, the commandments of God, into our hearts and we are to teach them. Listen to verses 6 and 7 in our text. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So, God is telling us here that we are to take God's word and we are to hide it into our hearts. And remember, to the Hebrew mind, the heart was the seat of our will. So, not simply knowing the commandments, like in our brain, but living according to them because we love the Lord. That gives us the desire to live a life of obedience to Him. Not only are we to take his commandments to heart, but we are to teach them to our children, to our grandchildren, and to anyone else who God gives us an opportunity to teach them to. Here, the focus is on our children. But in the New Testament, it is expanded to teaching all of those that God places in our life. And note here that the teaching is to be a lifestyle. It's to be a part of our daily lives, talking about God and His Word throughout our day. Living as servants of God. Living as those who are in love with God. 
setting an example for our children to follow, and teaching them how to have a loving relationship with our Lord. Will doing this guarantee the salvation of our children? No. But it does make it much more likely. Because faith comes from hearing the words of our Lord. The Apostle Paul acknowledges this in regards to Timothy. Timothy was the Apostle's son in the faith, but he was not his own son. Timothy had a mother and a grandmother who were instrumental in preparing Timothy for salvation, according to the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he writes, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. Paul writes, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. Timothy had grown up being instructed by his mother and grandmother in the Old Testament scriptures. Timothy still had to put faith in Jesus for his salvation. But the teaching of scripture by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois prepared him for salvation according to Paul. We need to follow that same example with our own children and grandchildren. Paul echoes that same mandate in his letter to the church in Ephesus when he writes these words. Fathers or parents, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6.4. This calls for parents to not be unreasonable with their demands upon their children, but to diligently teach their children to respect God and His commandments. And we do this first by demonstrating it in our own lives. Making loving God and obedience to God the central focus of our lives. And then teaching our children to do the same. Any true follower of Jesus, anyone who's truly saved, who truly understands what God has done to save us, is going to respond in love and have a desire to live in obedience, have a desire to live for Christ and to teach others to live for Christ. And as I mentioned, this is not limited just to teaching our children. So if you do not have children, you are not excused from teaching others about Jesus. You can't get off that easy. We are all called to be disciples of Christ. Amen? And a disciple is an intentional learner. That's the best definition of the word disciple. Mathetes in the Greek. It's an intentional learner. Learner. We are to learn 
and apply what we learn and then teach others to do the same. And this is exactly what Jesus told his disciples when he gave them the Great Commission just before he ascended back into heaven. You're familiar with this passage, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Imagine that. Teaching others to follow God's commandments. This is a role that we have been given as followers of Christ. Jesus wanted all of his disciples to go and make more disciples and then to teach him them his word, his commandments, so that they could then do the same. In fact, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul will later command his son in the faith, Timothy, to do. In his second letter to Timothy, he writes these words, 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Some of you may not know this, but this is my life verse. This is the passage, the verse that God gave to me after I had Graduated from Bible college. Was not sure what I should do with my life going forward. And God impressed this passage on my, on my heart. That I needed to go and teach others who would be able to teach others. There's four generations represented there in that passage. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy instructing Timothy to teach faithful men who will teach others also. Four generations. In other words, the faith, the love for God has to be passed on from generation to generation. And that is what we are all called to do. We are saved by the word of God. We are sanctified by the Word of God. And we are equipped by the Word of God to love God and to teach others how to love God. What a great privilege we have been given. Amen? What an amazing gift is the love of God. We don't deserve it. It's all by grace. And yet, God not only gives us that gift of his love, but gives us the gift of being his instrument to pass that love on to others as well. How amazing is that? So, this morning, I would like to ask you to join me in renewing our passion 
to love the Lord our God above anything or anyone else and to join me in encouraging others to do the same. Again, we love because he first loved us and gave himself up for us. And we now have the great privilege of passing that on to others. Something that we did not know until God opened our hearts and minds to these truths. Until God opened our hearts and minds to his great love for us. Amen? And he has done that for families in our little church here. And in a few minutes, they are going to dedicate themselves to raising their children according to this principle. All praise be to our Heavenly Father, our Abba. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father,